welcome to the Galactic Core Podcast. Here to review the latest films and TV shows from all your favorite intergalactic universes. Now, it's time to get your geek on. Please welcome your host, the prophesied chosen one. It's Andy. It is the holiday season. Christmas is right around the corner. Hell yeah. And, uh, you know, it makes me wonder. uh, When you look into it, there's more Christmas moments when it comes to superhero movies, projects, uh, just just moments in general that you kind of think of when Christmas comes around. Some people have their rituals that they always watch the same movie maybe around Christmas time. So what comes to mind for you guys when you think holidays? Christmas, superhero, fandom. What's a movie or, you know, event that comes to mind when you think of that? I was um, I was initially thinking of the the big debate around Iron Man 3, whether this is classed as a Christmas movie or not, because <laughs> it does happen around Christmas time. There's interactions of it going on. There's plenty of snow and, and stuff like this. Um, but it doesn't hit maybe too hard on the Christmas front. So I was thinking that my favorite, superhero christmas project is actually gardens of the galaxy christmas special that came out oh. last year um it's it's got a really good christmas theme um there's obviously the idea of family in it we get some big mcu moments in it in the first place with obviously um peter finding out that mantis is his sister um the, the kidnapping of kevin bacon um so to me that's um that's got some really good themes in it it's got a really good story to be fair it's i know it's a bit more sort of mantis and drax led as well um but the idea of being accepted by those around you and and if you don't have a family you can have a family you know during the whole sort of holiday time so to me it hit really good with the themes it was a good overall piece a nice bit of fun i think something a bit different um for the mcu to do so yeah for me that's probably i've looked into it i was I thought my eye was drawn when I did a bit of research to Once Upon a Deadpool, and then I found out that was just a toned-down Christmas version of Deadpool 2 that was for the kids, apparently. Oh, really? So it's just like he he kidnaps someone, reads them basically the script of Deadpool 2, but a bit more toned-down and not as gory and violent. Um, I didn't even know that. I was not aware of that. Christmas time from Deadpool. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I think Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special is the one that is my (laughs) favourite. That's a good call. That's a good call. I like that. As far as fandom... As far as fandom, nothing comes to mind as far as Christmas movie. But when a certain trilogy came out every December, that was a Christmas tradition for a while. And that was the Lord of the Rings trilogy. There you go. So that becomes like, okay, I feel like I'm in Christmas time every time I watch that movie because it's such a good trilogy anyway. Yeah. Uh, Outside of fandom, though, outside of fandom, it's Elf and Home Alone is what we usually Mm. watch at home. Like those movies, Mm -hmm. maybe Home Alone 2. Straight up. Home Alone 2 is a good one, too. I don't really... I, I love Home Alone. I didn't really have a favorite Christmas movie outside of fandom. I don't know if you've yeah. got it in America, but there's like an animated, an old animated one we have over here called The Snowman. Um, it's, about, um, it's basically like no one really speaks in it. It's like a little animated kids one um, okay. where a kid like builds a snowman and the magic of the night, it comes to life and it takes him away to this land uh, of like, like where Father Christmas and snowmen and stuff is. Yeah, that sounds like Frosty the Snowman. Uh, and then he, fl- he flies him back in the morning, um, but then he like by the time the kid wakes up again, he's melted. Um, so it's a bit of a sad ending, to be fair. But it was something that was on every year when I was growing up. 
Well, yeah, no, that sounds exactly like Frosty the Snowman. I'm pretty sure that's, it's been a long time since I've watched it, but something about, you know, Father Christmas and the snowman comes to life after they build him. And it's a, it's a, an American classic story here too. I just never really watched it, but it comes on TV every year around Christmas time. But I, a Christmas story, I don't know if you guys got that. I watched that all the time through Christmas. Every time it was on TBS, one of our channels over here. Um, fandom wise though, I love that pick, JD, because we did the same. We went and saw Lord of the Rings every Christmas as a family, like December 23rd or whenever it would come out. So, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was dope. Great. And Andy, you took my pick. Um, so you said everything too. the yeah. holiday special is just awesome. Like Peter, Peter and Mantis at the very end, you got the emotional touches. It's obviously aimed towards kids, but it's really entertaining. There's like a, there's a lot of good humor in it still. And it somehow builds on the guardian story and plot moving forward with, uh, you know, a silly little, mm. so I, I enjoyed it again. It's definitely aimed for kids, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But to, to separate a little bit, I'll throw out a, an older one. Uh, Batman Returns, Danny DeVito, the Penguin. It's Christmas time in Gotham. They yeah. have a bunch of forced Christmas puns with mistletoe and stuff like that with Catwoman. So it's it's a very strong Christmas themed movie actually, but it's Tim Burton, so it almost like cancels out because it doesn't feel festive and Christmassy because you know he's a little <laughs> he's a little weird that guy. So, <laughs> but, but I'll throw Batman Returns out there for a classic superhero holiday movie. There, hey, how about this one? What about Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Ah! Nice. <laughs> we yeah, would watch that quite a bit. <laughs> Those are goofy. I haven't watched that in a long time. Is that the... He drew my research, though. When it, when it, oh, I was thinking Hawkeye. Yeah, Hawkeye yep. is a good one. Yeah, yeah something Hawkeye's like a really that. good one. <laughs> I like it. Well, happy well, holidays. I during my research when I was saying, oh, what superhero films are around Christmas? And they came up with um, Batman Begins was on, on on a list for some reason. I don't know if that happens around Christmas time or something, but Batman it was Begins. weird that that appeared on a list. I don't um, think so. <laughs> a lot I of snow in the Himalayas. <laughs> yeah, him and Roz <laughs> fight training. the snow it was and ice. Random, it popped up. So <laughs> interesting. <laughs> I don't know why that was on the list. To be fair, but it was just I was like, is this really? That's not really a Christmas film. Let, let's settle one big debate though. Um, is Die Hard a Christmas film? De- <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't think, I mean, it just has Christmas style background. That's about it. I it's a holiday it party. A Is it super Christmassy? Remember a lot of, bu- it, it's just a holiday <laughs> yeah, party. Christmas, Christmas work party that happens yeah. On, on, yeah. He says, ho, my ho, family ho. wants to sit down and watch Die Hard over all the other Christmas movies. I'll, I'll definitely take it. <laughs> Let's watch it. We'll do it, you know, oh, in honor oh, of Bruce Willis. It's a that, Christmas. It's, uh, good to get to the holiday spirit. Yeah, fair, good, nice Christmas movie. Welcome, everyone, uh, to this fantastic episode where you get not one, but two podcasts for your hard-earned listening money today. Um, Got myself, Andy, from the Galactic Core podcast, and of course, we've got JD, and we've got Dave from the Why So Sidious podcast. Say hello, guys. Hello. Hello. 
how are we all doing today? How's your how's your head today, Dave, by the way? I don't think we've mentioned that yet. <laughs> great. Great. Ready to talk about Godzilla minus one and just get into it. <laughs> but um let's first of all have a chat about since we're gonna be talking, yep, yeah, about Godzilla minus one today, uh, the film. Let's first of all have a bit of a chat though about the trailer that came out recently. Um Kong and Godzilla New Empire. Uh, trailer dropped, what was it, about a week and a half or so ago, uh, maybe two weeks ago. And this thing has been all over my social media, to be fair, um, basically because people are ripping it apart a little bit, I think. <laughs> um, I don't think it was that bad as a trailer, to be fair. Um, JD, what did you think about this trailer? Ooh, um, I, I mean, I really liked it. I didn't know there's bad stuff going online about it, but it just looks super fun and like outlandish where that's, I mean, I kind of like that. It's just going to go in some crazy direction. You got some weird new ape and then Godzilla. Why is he burning pink instead of blue now? Like they're going crazy and that's cool to take. I mean, this is just a freaking stuffed popcorn in your face and enjoy the ride kind of movie. I'm not looking for a ton of depth or complex moral issues or anything like that <laughs> so really the crazier they get with unexpected stuff um, i'm all for and it looks very crazy and looks like there's gonna be a lot of weird surprises so yeah i liked it yeah i think we've got the uh the new baddie in this one is going to be scar king if my memory serves um which is um someone that's supposed to be more monstrous than uh than kong himself so that should be interesting um yep yeah, as you said godzilla is now pink um, I think that's was was a bit of controversy for those that like to stir up shit about random things for no reason. Um, why is he pink? I mean, I think the closest we've had from what I've seen is like Shin Godzilla um, was purplish pink at, at one point. Mm. Um, so people are obviously saying that he's got some new type of um, radiation that he's absorbed or it's this evolution of power that's now turned in pink. So, mm. and, um, and David, we get Kong within what looks like an Infinity Gauntlet in, um, in this film. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you know, I, so I think what's going to happen, we're going to have him run into Scar, whatever, um, in the uh, Hollow Earth, because we just ended that with Godzilla vs. Kong. So I'm assuming he's going to run into him, he's going to snap his arm and kick his ass at the start. And then I'm just very curious to see how they measure out his cast and get, you know, just have him sit still and build a perfectly fitting Infinity Gauntlet <laughs> or whatever that is. Dude, I swear, when he busted through the ground, I thought it was Transformers. I was like, did I miss... Did I miss them announcing this is going to be a know, crossover right? universe? Like, no way. Was, is that freaking Bumblebee coming out of the ground? I was relieved to see it wasn't. But, um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, coming off minus one, it looks a bit goofier, obviously. It's leaning into the campiness a bit more while they're running together like Rocky on the beach. But we'll see. We'll see. I'm still going to see it. <laughs> That was weird at the end, like this is the last shot of the trailer, isn't it? Kong and Godzilla running side by side, but I kind of loved that as well. <laughs> I don't know why I found that. I was like, cool. Yeah, I can't wait to see this. Like, really let's ass. get Godzilla versus Usain Bolt. Let's see who's faster. Um, <laughs> but um, speaking of of this particular monster verse, Dave, you just said you've just watched Godzilla versus Kong. Um, any quick thoughts on on that film? Since it's the first time you've yeah. watched it, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's entertaining. It really is. Um, it's. I think it might be more entertaining. It's tough because King of the Monsters got Ghidorah and all that, but the human element is just so bad. And it's not great in Kong versus Godzilla, but it's a little more bearable, at least. Um, you know, the conspiracy theorist guy gets a little 
over the top, but it's kind of entertaining. Um, but it, just the fight scenes between Kong and Godzilla and the city are just gnarly. Like it's just pure entertainment. So I, I really enjoyed rewatching it there. And um, yeah, it was, it was fun. JD, have you seen it recently at all? Godzilla vs. Kong? Yeah, my five-year-old loves that movie. So we watch it like <laughs> once a month, maybe. <laughs> I, I like it a lot. <laughs> I thought the Godzilla movies oh, got better serious? and better. <laughs> yes, she loves that movie. That was an insult. <laughs> that was an insult. Right. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, you know, she likes these big monsters fighting, and it's one of those movies that everyone could put on and enjoy. Uh, but yeah, they got better and better, right? The very first one in this universe just sucked. It was like all human. They would literally start walking towards each other to fight. And then the camera would go to the next scene. So you just go to the human scenes instead of watching the fight. And then King of the monsters came out. And I thought that was really fun too. Human element sucked, but like the Mothra stuff was cool. Ghidorah, all the different yeah. monsters. And then Godzilla vs Kong. Yeah. Just stepped it up again with the action and all this, you know, it's just such a spectacle. It's so much fun. So I think this one's going to step it up even more, man. It's going to get crazy. It's going to get weird. Absolutely. And then the TV series that links in between. Um, <laughs> Monarch Legacy mm. of Monsters that's been on Apple TV. Um, mm. I think it's on about episode six or now. I just watched the latest episode today. Uh, Dave, you and I have been talking about this since it came out. Um, is it fair to say we are not impressed so far with this uh, with this TV show? Yes. Yes, very fair to say that. Uh, yeah, he's just uh, not man. into it. He doesn't want to talk about it. It's that bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trying to get the words uh, to to come up with the right words to describe this. Um, I had no idea they were making it. So, you know, all of a sudden it was like Legacy of Monsters comes out next month. I was like, oh, what the hell is this? Okay, cool. Godzilla. Let's get some background story. Uh, first episode wasn't bad. We got some Godzilla flashbacks. We got some Titan action with uh, William Randa on the island out there. So it was, it was pretty interesting. And then ever since then, we just have some of the most dry, who cares about this backstory type flashbacks and story building with these characters that literally nobody cares about. Like, we're not here for you guys. And you're not giving us any answers about anything. And the, the hmm. so the son of the, the missing scientist, I, I forget all of their names, but he's got kind of a love interest, this American girl who lives in Japan. <laughs> And she is the most unbearable character on television since maybe Skylar from Breaking Bad. Like, she drives <laughs> me nuts. I just, I'm waiting for a Titan to pop up because it's just, she's just so obnoxious, rude, arrogant, dumb, just, oh God, it, she drives me nuts. So yeah, safe to say, not impressed. I think Kurt Russell's character is pretty cool. I will say I was watching it and he had a couple of cool lines, kind of like, uh, you know, he's like, you've had 60, 60 years to prepare for G-Day. Let them fight. That's the best you guys came up with. <laughs> like, what if Godzilla lost yeah. there? Like, you guys don't know what you're doing. And so <laughs> he's he's had a couple of good lines. I like his character. I like Wyatt Russell as the younger version of him. Um, yeah. But God, overall, yeah, it's it's wanting for a lot more. Yeah, this this human backstory that they want to tell so badly between all the different characters. I don't mind the 50s flashbacks, as you said. That's filling yeah. in some good story. We're getting to see a bit more Godzilla from that time period as well. That's all good. But yeah, the, the modern day, let's fill in every episode with as much backstory to these characters as we can whilst slowly putting along their journey. It's been unbearable. Mm. It's just, I don't care. I don't give a fuck about any of these people. Um, I don't <laughs> care that they're the children and grandchildren of the ones from before. Yeah, um, yeah. I really hope that Godzilla kills them at some point. That's... 
Sorry, you know me, I like a good death, um, but you know, yeah. I would not be be shedding any sort of tear for any of these characters, to be fair. So I don't know how many episodes this series is supposed to be, um, but we're up to episode six now. I literally watched the other one, uh, the newest one earlier today. So yeah, let's just hope it does get a bit better and they're just not throwing gods are in there randomly just for the sake of it just to pick up the views because this needs to right. come to a head with something so right let's hope it does get fucking better <laughs> yeah 10 10 episodes but, uh, now let's um oh is it oh cool okay mm-hmm. 10 episodes so four more to endure of this backstory <laughs> and uh, let's hope it gets better mm. <laughs> but uh, now let's move on to the main event godzilla minus one Now, I have been waiting for this film far longer than anyone else on this fucking planet, um, because for some reason it's decided to come out in the UK like two, three weeks later than everywhere else. Um, It literally came out in the UK two days ago as we're filming this. Um, I got to see it yesterday. And the first thing I did when I came out of the cinema was was message you, David, wasn't it? And just being like, this, for me, I was—I mean, I was enthralled with this film from start to finish. Um, this is probably the film I've enjoyed the most since Avengers Endgame. And that might be a big statement to make, but for me, it's definitely been, yeah, I was captivated with this film from start to finish. I, over the last four or five years, I've become much more of a Godzilla fan overall than I thought I was going to be. And this film has been that cherry on yeah. this build-up of fandom for me. So, initial thoughts, guys. Godzilla minus one. Hit us, JD. Oh, man. Well, I'd say it blew me away, but I just heard so many fantastic things about it before going in there. Uh, so, I was expecting something really good. But to be fair, I had, like, no idea this was coming out until it was, like, in theaters. And then people started doing these reviews. Like, I didn't know... A- Godzilla movie like this was being created and so yeah I mean I enjoyed it so much like uh just the human it's like that you need a good human element I guess because mm. they did that and that like makes the whole movie good it makes the Godzilla action scenes better if you're at least invested into the human story which is a first in these monster movies and then they just nailed the Godzilla stuff he was actually scary he was like a horror mm. like a terrifying character that's not like the american like hey he's gonna become our hero later when some other big bad <laughs> yeah. shows up it's like no he's just a monster and all he does is destroy so his scenes are awesome i love the very first scene like when he's smaller it was super mm. like it was like intimate and personal but the small godzilla scene in the dark too like that was on a little island very unique very fun and you're like why is he so small and of course you know he gets bigger throughout the movie but yeah man i mean just like the whole movie was fantastic so Big thumbs up. <laughs> David, what are you saying? Yeah, nice big Godzilla-sized thumbs up. Uh, I would I would agree with that. It was just great. Um, I know I hyped it up a ton to JD uh, after I watched it. By the way, excuse the delay. I think my internet's a little hungover like me. Um, so we're just going to press on. So I'm sorry if I sound like I'm waiting five seconds to respond. But anyway, <laughs> loved it. Uh, yeah, it was one of the most enjoyable theater experiences I've had in a long time. Uh, probably since Top Gun, because that was a pretty awesome theater experience, too. And I'm not even a big Tom Cruise fan. Mm. But 
it just it just hit the mark on everything the human element was great it was gripping it was emotional like the whole thing with the kamikaze pilot which we can get into more later was great but jd said it it was terrifying like godzilla was just terrifying these scenes where you're they're hiding in the train and he's coming through like you know he's just he's just wants rampant destruction that's all and and he regenerates terrifying like there's a lot uh, there's more aspects to this monster that just made him scary um but they just nailed it they all the homages to the original stuff like the first island that he showed up on in the t-rex sized godzilla that was the first island he ever showed up on in the original movie it's a fictional island so there was a ton of stuff the design the sound um the, the soundtrack everything behind it was just done so well as a homage to going back to movies that were, you know, for us at least, they were pretty, they're pretty campy. I mean, they're <laughs> Godzilla hops on his tail and flies like on his back. That's how he runs in those movies. It do doesn't make any sense, but they did it in a way to it paid respect to it, but they modernized it and made a hell of a 21st century movie with Godzilla. And Andy, you said it. I was never a massive Godzilla fan over my life. Like I really wasn't. The 1999 one with Matthew Broderick <laughs> was pretty goofy with the T-Rex stuff. So we really didn't have a lot of good Godzilla content in our generation. Um, but the MonsterVerse got me into it. But this one, this solidified me as like, oh, I'm a Godzilla fan. Like, this movie was great. I'm here for more. It looks like we're going to get another one. So all in all, just an incredible performance by the director, the cast, everybody. And a reported budget for this film was 13 million dollars 13 million dollars is ridiculous um bearing in mind it's reported that an episode of she-hulk one episode of she-hulk was what 20 oh. million oh. Uh, for oh. them to do and they've made this entire film for almost half that ridiculous <sighs> It just it just defies belief that they've done such a good job. I don't know if that speaks to the fact that um, American or European studios yes. are really overcharging for what they're producing compared to uh, to Japanese studios. But um, that but yeah, yeah. What I um I did love about this hugely that um that Godzilla is a antagonist in this film, not mm. a protagonist. Um, the fact that he is just there because he wants to fucking destroy shit and he just wants to eat shit and he just wants to do his thing. He's not there for the betterment of mankind or to, to you know, shield them from the bad titans or anything like that. He's just there to blow shit up and have a good time, um, effectively. <laughs> but the... Um, let's get into the film itself. So, as you said, the um, the start of the film where we get obviously a flashback to World War Two and sort of near the end of time, um, when I hope it's pronounced isn't um Koichi, um or Shikishima. Um Shikishima. If that's his correct saying of his name. Uh, mm -hmm. the kamikaze pilot who obviously lands on Odo Island, I think it was. Um and he's obviously afraid to to be a kamikaze pilot, to be fair, who can blame him? Um and then obviously he's there and during the night fucking godzilla turns up <laughs> and as you said it's sort of like a, a more baby godzilla rampaging through and he doesn't have the um the the guts to fire on him from his uh fighter jet and and so the others lose their bottle it kind of reminds me of like the uh the two towers the um 
the battle there when you've got all the orcs um, in front of all the elves and humans and the one guy with the bow and arrow just sort of <laughs> shits himself and fires a fucking bow into an orc's neck and then that starts the battle. Um, it's kind of like that, that one Japanese guy with his rifle and he's like, oh, fuck this, and just shoots shoots Godzilla yep. and just starts off there. So great opening rampage for that scene. David, your thoughts on this opening to this uh, to this fantastic film? Yes, uh, this was great. Again, this kickstarts the the story of this kamikaze pilot who is going to be filled with regret, shame, and PTSD going forward. And this was a great intro to his character. Um, so yeah, he fakes that he's, his plane needs repairs because he's scared, obviously. Um, but man, yeah, just a terrifying scene. The darkness in it where you could barely see Godzilla. And again, like JD said, the intimacy of him being smaller but T-Rex-like, just frightening. But my favorite part of this is so the whole thing is he doesn't pull the trigger. He doesn't shoot the 20 millimeter cannon and everybody pretty much gets killed except for that one survivor who then guilts him for the rest of his life and basically tells him you deserve to die. Those men are, those men are dead because you didn't take the shot. So it's yet another thing for him to have regret about. But we find out that this monster has a regenerative, regenerative ability here. He heals. So even if he took the shot, more than likely, it wouldn't have killed him. He would have regenerated, and he would have died, which would result in the fact that he wouldn't save Japan down the line in the future with this plan that stops Godzilla. So if he would have fired that shot, actually, it might have doomed Japan. So I like how it kind of it came full circle like that there, which was a major regret for him, but really it was, it was the right call. Hmm, absolutely. Uh, JD, any additional thoughts about this? I mean, it really does speaking to something that we maybe don't see in obviously our cultures i guess with the 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 old school japanese shame culture that they have for not completing your duty and for not completing your goals um i love that they played on this quite hard obviously japanese made films so it's maybe expected that they would include this in a world war sort of two era film uh, but any thoughts on it yeah that shame culture i mean the, they shame you for not being a you know turning back on your kamikaze duties, but they do that here in America if you just say the wrong thing on Twitter. So uh, we can kind of have a feel for what's going on there. No, it it is also cool to see a post a post bomb World War II Japan. Because we've never really dug into that, you know, in any kind of fiction or, you know, there's probably a documentary, but um yeah, it's just like such a tragic situation for Japan that you're like invested in them. And then they got this child that freaking needs another parent, you know. So his presence in that child's life really helped out there. So like all those different human things were just super intriguing. So it didn't matter when Godzilla was off screen. It was uh, just a good movie. Mm. It's a rarity to have, I think we've discussed it already with the, with the newer Monsterverse films, but the human element in those films has been kind of trash and it really detracts from the monster story. And in this film, you've got a human element to it that actually not only adds to it, but lifts the film to a higher level for me because of the story that they're telling, because of the, the interactions between all of them, to be fair. Mm. Um, it really does elevate it. I mean, David, we've spoken about it, but your thoughts on the human element of a, of a Godzilla story and why it has to be good to elevate the story itself. It can't just be trash and for the masses like the MonsterVerse kind of films have been. Yeah, so that's a great question, honestly. Um, it, it plays, you know, importance in a lot because, again, when you have the King of the Monsters film um, and you have this just terribly acted, terribly written 
you know, scenes that you really don't care about. You can't get into because it feels like a C film or like a, a college project type film. Like it's, it's terrible. It's just mediocre and it takes you out of the movie every time. So it messes with the pace. You're watching these fights, you're interested, you're going forward. And then every time it switches off, it takes you out of the movie. And when you do that for more than half of a movie, it just takes away from it. So when you have not only a good human story written in minus one here, but a human story that advances the plot in a way that sets up for the, the return of Godzilla, that, that builds on it. it. You know, it's not just, okay, we got to have some human scenes in between the monster fights. We got to get this in. It's not like they're hitting a quota. They're advancing the story through the human plot and building a much deeper substantive story as well. That has a great ending. It brings emotion into it. And when you can have emotion and stuff like that in a monster film, just full of, you know, full of rampage and destruction, like, it just makes a massive difference. It makes it feel like more of a movie rather than just an entertainment, you know, spectacle. Hmm. And what I love about on the flip side of it is they actually sort of laid a pathway for Godzilla's story as well. And the fact mm -hmm. that, you know, this island that he lands on at the start, um, there's a history with Godzilla there already. And the fact that the locals have a name for him, they've seen him before, he's been around. They know that, you know, these deep sea fish rise to, to the surface yeah. of the ocean because of his radiation and stuff like this. So there's a story that's already been laid for him. Um, mm -hmm. And the fact, obviously, he taps on the island and he comes back bigger a couple of years later. So, you know, just laying a groundwork for the story of him as well is fact that instead of just there's a random monster um, and he just turns up and destroys a city sort of thing, which you can maybe expect from these types of films. But I just right. love the fact that they put so much thought into the story on both sides of this as well. So they've given Godzilla some lore before he's even really shown up and then evolved yeah. him with the fact that he was a small and he, now he's evolved to be bigger. Um, and then obviously the human animals work so well because, yeah, we get to Shikazima who goes back to his home to find out it's all been destroyed. His parents are dead. Um, and he's got his neighbor, um, was it Sumiko, who basically shames him because she's like, hey, you were supposed to be Kamikaze pilot. What the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> and um, and sort of lends into into that. And then obviously he meets um, Noriko in, in the market and, you know, she basically forces her way into his home and, and sets up camp there, um, which was a little bit random. She's just like, you know what, I just... It was like, you know, she was like nice. picking a Pokemon. She's like, I choose you, and now I'm going to stay here forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but obviously it, it added value for Shikasima to have this person and, and child in his home because it gave him the ambition, didn't it, to have to go out and find work and not just wallow in self-pity of, of him being a failed kamikaze pilot and his parents dying. Mm -hmm. He had a reason to go out and do it. And he finds this job, as we find out, that um, he's going to be part of this crew that are basically, you know, dealing with the mines left over from the war. Um, I had no idea about these kind of mines. You know, sixty. I think this is something like sixty thousand mines were left in the ocean by opposition forces and and Japanese forces. Yeah. And they're there to clean it up. Um, so I really loved that it showed this element of Japan after the war because they were doing this obviously for like a good two years before Godzilla sort of shows back up. So. Mm -hmm. David, any thoughts on, on this particular part of the film and, and we get to see this part of Japan post-war? Yeah, I thought it was very well done. Uh, as JD mentioned, we don't see that side of this. Uh, we don't see that side of the war, especially, well, it wasn't an American film. It was a Japanese film, so that's probably why we saw that aspect of it. American films typically don't like to delve into that because it's kind of a dark thing. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> they they really use that 
well. And the whole them recovering and their speech towards the end where the guy is emphasizing we value life in this. Our last battle we fought, we didn't value life. Kamikazes, you know, everything we did, we didn't put a value on life. We're not doing that again. And that was just so emotionally uplifting, like just such a great speech. Um, Anyways, yeah, sorry. The whole the whole aspect with them and the bombs um, reminded me of Finding Nemo, by the way. Those little floating bombs that they can't touch. I don't know if you remember that from <laughs> Finding Nemo, but um, I loved it. It was a really good human aspect to it. I loved how the doctor or the scientist who is the head of their ship ends up being like one of the top top minds of Japan <laughs> in the end. And nobody knew that. They're like, wait, did you know Doc was such a big shot? Like... So it, it was just another aspect of the story where the human element built on it, built more emotion. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good little. And the chase scene was pretty terrifying where he's just halfway out of the water coming after them in the boats there. Like it was pretty terrifying, looked pretty real. Uh, it was gripping. Yeah. Jenny, what did you what did you think to the boat crew? So you obviously got the captain, the dock, the kid, and then uh, Shikasima, um added on onto it. I thought they had a really good rapport between them in terms of just the way they acted between them. Um, you know, some good laughs, good written script, and just joking between them. And then the way that they do have to sort of come together with that when Godzilla first reappears and that chasing um, and him attacking the other boats and stuff. I thought it was absolutely tremendous. To be fair, and I I really did love the chemistry between the boat crew. What about you? Yeah, no, the chemistry was great. You know, all the humans on screen, they were all good. The the Godzilla swimming, just his head out of the water, <laughs> swimming towards a boat was one of like the scariest shots ever. Because I mean, like, the, it's like the ocean, man. You're so vulnerable in the ocean, so it just adds to that anxiety. And it, um, I don't remember the movie that much. Didn't a big destroyer kind of start shooting Godzilla, and then Godzilla Ooh. just goes and chomps it up? That that was yeah. pretty cool. I mean, and then you're in this little fishing boat <laughs> trying to get away. You just saw him chomp down a destroyer like that. But a very anxiety-filled scene, very scary and really badass, because I don't think we've seen Godzilla like that. That's a unique scene there, like swimming like that, head out of water. So, yeah. yeah, it was pretty terrifying when he's just going after the small, the, the small wooden boat, to be fair. Um, and it's just the fact that he's like, open mouth and, and eyes are just above the water line so he's just yeah. kind of just staring them down as he's as he's bearing down them a bit um yeah i was in complete shock when they do obviously shoot the um the mine that's in his mouth and it explodes half his fucking jaw off and then he just regenerates i mean i don't know if that's in the monster law uh, the monster verse law at all uh, or in the history of godzilla that he actually gets to regenerate like that um yeah i don't know but i was I nearly fucking stood up at my seat when that happened because I was like, God damn, he actually going to fucking <laughs> yeah. regenerate. How the fuck are they going to kill this guy? Um, and then, yeah, the scene where the big warship turns up and they're firing the cannons at him and he's just taking those shots in the chest without much of an issue. Um, and then they sort of shoot him right close up, don't he? And he sinks into the water and they think they've got him. And then you see it start lighting up underneath the boat and you're like, oh, fuck, here we go. Um, <laughs> and then that one atomic breath heat ray breath whatever you want to call it just shoot straight up and just fucking nails that boat straight away my god i was like in awe when that happened what about you david dude oh god it's just jaw dropping i mean that's the only way to describe these atomic breath scenes and everything that was going on with godzilla here yeah. i mean holy crap it 
it put MonsterVerse down a peg, seeing this Godzilla unleashing its atomic breath, like some of the coolest cinematic shots I've seen. And yeah, coming up from above, taking out the boat, and, you know, I, we can wait to get into the other ones as well that, you know, are just incredibly cinematic, but I, they killed it. The atomic breath was awesome. It was a treat every time. I like that he kind of has to build up every time to shoot. Because again, watching MonsterVerse, Congress, Godzilla, he's just shooting that thing off like a you know automatic rifle. Like he, there's no buildup, there's no regenerating time he needs. He's just firing. So I kind of like that he kind of has to recharge, but very powerful. Yeah, and we get sort of I guess with the big destructive scene of the movie when they he Godzilla heads obviously inland to the to the city and the name of it escapes me to be fair off the top of my head um but he's there and it's where Nariko's working as well um and he obviously just turns up and he's just there to fuck shit up because he's like if you're gonna fucking fire shit at me I'm gonna go and mess <laughs> up your your towns as well um and he's just there just smashing up buildings you know, just swipe of the tail there is one trope about this that I've mentioned to my wife a few times through different monster films and things like that that always gets me. And it's like, when you've got a huge kaiju or a monster or anything like that that's walking directly down streets towards you, why is everyone running directly away? Why is no one going sideways to get out of the path of destruction? Everyone's always running directly in a line forward, and it pisses me off every time. It's I'm like, terrible. if you all ran sideways, you'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Why have you always got to go straight? It kills me every time. I don't know why. Um, sorry, a little pet peeve of mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm with you. But um, this is where we get to see... Yeah, this is where we get to see, I think, the full atomic breath in its glory in, in, in this particular bit, don't we? I mean, first of all, we get the bit where, you know, Noriko is on the train and she turns around and just sees Godzilla there. And it's probably the first time, obviously, we get to see you know, a full grown-up Godzilla in this film. Just mm-hmm. stood up and stuff. Um, and what I really love is that the design of this particular Godzilla is maybe more in line with the traditional older films as well. Obviously, the more modern monsterverse one we've got from the US films is more a bit lizard-like and longer arms and claws and stuff like that. Whereas when this one walks, he almost walks in the style of the older films where he's a little bit rigid, slow because of his size. His T-Rex arms don't really move. Um, Maybe they're just by his side, not really doing anything. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And... um, but then we do obviously get this moment where he's building up with his atomic breath. And it starts obviously at the bottom of his tail, the cinematic shot, and is the is his like platelets, I guess, sort of like pump out from his back, and there's and the camera sort of follows up his tail to his back, and then he just sort of shoots his breath off into the distance and it just hits the ground and it goes up like an atomic explosion. And then obviously the 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 the, the wave that comes out of that that ends up knocking um Nariko back and we think that she's been killed at this point fuck me i was on the edge of my seat when that happened um i mean actually that's kind of a lie because i was in the reclining seat so i was laid back pretty <laughs> but, um but uh, but this scene was was absolutely awesome jd what were your thoughts on on this the atomic breath scene mm. yeah that was that was a treat right and a big movie theater experience like that like the sound of it the the way that the buildings were getting destroyed like as the beam was crossing them not even touching them if it was within like a 30 yard radius it was just going to get destroyed along the way and the explosion itself i think was probably a little cooler than oppenheimer um yeah. and then 
what was really cool is Godzilla just standing there staring up at what he just caused. It's almost like mm. he was amazed, like, holy shit, I just did that. <laughs> oh. um, but yeah, that scene, definitely like the, the the scene of the movie for me. I mean, yeah. David, what about you? Oh, God, yeah. That was even, I think my wife was sitting next to me and was even like, whoa. Like it was, it was such a cool scene, the way he snaps his head back and just so violently. And it's like the sound design of it, it, kind of, it almost went silent as it was hitting the nuclear explosion and it went dark yeah. and it was like a nuclear fallout following this massive thing. I mean, it was just a pure force of nature. It was the coolest they have ever been able to do that on screen for something like that with Godzilla. It was just... It's just, again, I'll say it again. It was just jaw dropping. It was an incredible scene, and the the way it turned the atmosphere into like a vacuum, where like in one direction everything was being sucked at an incredible high rate of speed, and then it just switched, and then it shot back the other way from the shock wave of the explosion. Was so they just they just killed it, showing how powerful and destructive that was. So that was top five cinematic moment for me. It was that was awesome. I would absolutely have to agree. Like, I mean, there wasn't that many people in my cinema, um, to be fair. But it when it was, you could hear a fucking pin drop when <laughs> when that scene was going on. Um, it was, yeah, it was absolutely epic. Um, I definitely have it as a top five cinematic moment for me. I, I'm going to be watching this film again next week. To be fair, I'm going to be getting it nice. when it comes out on like 4K and stuff. Like that. I'm going to watch it on my big ass TV in the front room. Nice. Um, yeah, this was a scene that just was. Yeah, you nailed it, David. Jaw-dropping is literally the only word I can use to describe this scene. Um, I'm just going to call out my wife slightly because she loves um, she loves to laugh at serious moments in films when shit's going down. <laughs> um, and so, like, any time there was some proper serious shit going on screen, she's just chuck- chuckling away next to me. Um, bless her little soul. So I think she, she, she enjoys these things, to be fair. She enjoys the shit and the, and the murder going down. So nice. yeah, bless her for that. Love it. But um, <laughs> in the in the aftermath of that, we get um, we get um, Chikasima is obviously dealing with the, the the loss of Nariko, and he's thinking, you know, he's going to do everything he can basically to take out Godzilla now. And the the citizens are putting together um, a plan of action with the dock at the head, um, with ex Navy people and ex Army and whatever to obviously take down Godzilla. And they had this plan to lure him into the the, the trench. Um, and basically use Freon gas to sink him to the bottom. And if that doesn't work, we're going to pump him back to the top and hope that um, that the rapid changes of pressure basically kick his ass. Um, interesting plan, to be fair. Not one that I've ever seen them use before in any types of films like this. So definitely was going to, interesting to see how they were going to turn out. And obviously they got this this old fighter um, for uh, Shikasima to, to use to obviously be a bit of a distraction. Um, and he finds, obviously, the um, the the old airplane engineer from the original attack at the end of <laughs> World War II, um, Tashibana, I think his name was, mm-hmm. um, to obviously come and repair it. And he obviously wasn't happy to be back. But he's basically like, you know, Shikasima's basically using all of this to fuel his desire that he now wants to fulfill his promise that he made during the war to, you know, basically defeat the enemy but end his life at the same time and restore honor i think isn't it basically mm-hmm. to it so before we get to that sort of final battle the plan his sort of change of attitude towards this jd what were your thoughts um i respected the the unique plan right because um, like you said we haven't really seen that it's interesting and unique and tricky it's nice to have a 
a plan that's not generic for what should be very generic for taking down a huge monster. Um, and yeah, him doing his own thing was great. It's our lead character. And, you know, if he just kind of falls in line, like what's the kind of the point he kind of needs a redemption, right? This is his big redemption. And the fact that he ejected his seat before it happened. So he didn't even die. So that was really fun. He redeemed himself. He saved probably something that would have been way more useful taking out Godzilla than like blowing up a building or wherever he would have done for the, the Japan army or air force. Mm. So yeah, good redemption arc, good scene, clever little trick. Um, and then his own little clever trick. So yeah, good stuff. David, did you anticipate that he was going to die in, in taking down Godzilla or did you feel like there was going to be that sneaky little element of like an ejector seat or something in there to save him? I never will know with these types of films to be fair, I guess from right. Japanese culture, sometimes they're quite happy to kill off their characters. Yeah. No, I, I, I gotta say, I gotta take credit for this one. Um, when he, it was the, the scene and he was showing him around in the plane. He's like, all right, this is the, the lever you pull. That's to, you know, that's to set it off. That's going to ignite it. And then he, he pointed to the back, the audio cut out. It stopped, um, having their dialogue come across, but he pointed above his head and was pointing at something to him. And I leaned over to my wife and I was like, I think, I think that's a, I think he's got a little escape there. I don't know. I think he put something in there. So when the scene ended up happening, I was like, ah, I knew I saw something. So I kind of, I was, I was waiting for the ejection there, <laughs> but the scene as a whole was great. Again, obviously bringing the guy back who wants nothing more than death for this guy throughout the whole movie. And then he's the one who eventually says, live, you know, live your life, go live your life, man. Obviously I can tell you feel enough shame about what happened and everything that's gone on since then. Like, he could see the pain that this man is in and he just finally says just live your life so very powerful um i really like this yet another solid writing for the human aspect just really one after the other they just kept building a great story hmm. and then we do have the the final showdown with uh with godzilla their plan to wrap him in that gas and send him to the bottom and it seems like it's obviously going to be working um i do love the fact that obviously godzilla's coming in land to be fair and um and maybe he recognizes shikasima in in some way and he's like this bastard is like a fly <laughs> swatting around me in this plane so i'm going to chase him down back into the ocean and hmm. try and get him um which obviously just lures him back into their trap um but then obviously when they like he's fighting at the bottom of the ocean and and they realize that's not working so they're trying to obviously pump the um the air mattresses to bring him back to the top and he stops halfway through and obviously he's able to to cut them loose and then what i like to call a sort of um uh, you know the battle of exegol rise of skywalker moment when all the ships turn up to help them out um and the kid is there with everyone and he's brought everyone together at the same time to uh to attach to all the boats by the way how long do you think it would have taken all those tugboats to attach yeah. to the other two boats to then yeah. start pulling godzilla out <laughs> this it was, to me was like the only plot hole i could think of for the film yeah. that could have taken like an hour and like godzilla's just chilling at 800 feet going whenever you're ready boys like let's yeah. just get yeah. this rocking um <laughs> made no sense <laughs> <laughs> But um, but we do have that moment when obviously they do manage to pull him back to the top, and I don't know what the damage was being done to Godzilla, but it looked like, I mean, my wife said that maybe he looked like he'd been icing up or something. I was like, has he like just got burns from the pressure or something on his body? Um, it was hard to tell, but obviously he came back to the surface damaged. Um, I think this happens in all Godzilla films that I've seen. To be fair, is that 
Godzilla is, you know, what, as tall as a skyscraper. Um, and yet somehow in this area of sea, it's supposed to be 1,500 foot deep. But he's like stood up right near the surface yeah. of the water. I always that always gets that. me. In, that always does have, happens in every Godzilla film almost. That he stood up tall. And I'm like, yeah. how are you doing that? Right. <laughs> it it happens in Pacific Rim too, and I've always wondered that. So because Pacific Rim, <laughs> they drop these guys thousands of miles in the middle of the ocean where the, the trench is or the portal, and they're all just walking through the ocean. I'm like, well, but the ocean is deep. You should be at least going down and like barely swimming at this point. So with Godzilla, the same thing I was thinking, and I was like, maybe mm. he's just got an incredibly high center of gravity. So if he wants, he can still stand up while floating to be that high out of the water. Because if not, yeah, don't make any sense. Because they dropped him all the way to the trench, but he was standing out halfway out of the water. So totally with you. My mind was running extra time trying to like justify it or make sense of it. But <laughs> maybe maybe he just uses his tail to like wade underneath him, so he's like treading water, but using his tail go. instead. Yeah. That somehow manages to keep him like upright. <laughs> but, um... We get when obviously all hope looks lost in the fact that yeah, they don't know they're going to be able to defeat him. Shikasima comes in with his plane and um, rams him into the mouth. Um, I don't know why, but when, when he flies the plane straight into the mouth, I was expecting the plane to go maybe a bit further in, and it kind of just like stops dead in his mouth um, before then obviously the, the, uh, the bomb's going off. Um, and we see that he's obviously ejected and he's in his parachute above him. Um, and then we see Godzilla's body start to have like radiation holes poking out of it as if it's about to go nuclear. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh shit, even if he's ejected, he's about to get killed because Godzilla's <laughs> about to go fucking nuclear and kill mm. them all anyway. Um, and then his body just crumbles into the ocean. Hooray, they've saved the day. <laughs> defeated Godzilla and they've all lived. Um, they arrive back at, at land and we have Samiko who's turned up. Um, with the telegram that I think we all knew what it said on that telegram before it was obviously kind of revealed um, mm. that somehow in the force of a nuclear aftermath explosion um, and a bunch of buildings flying at her and her being knocked backwards at a pace and then probably brought forward by that vacuum yeah. effect as well, somehow Noriko has survived with just a bit of a head wound and a broken <laughs> arm. Um, that's, yeah. Don't know, no. don't know how that happens. Don't get that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, it does obviously complete the story for them and the fact that Shikasima is then able to have put his war to bed. He's done what he needed to do. He's avenged his demons, so to speak. He's avenged the, the mechanics that got killed. And he's still got his family complete. You know, in all that time, that him, the, the two years or so, or three years that him and Nariko and the, and the kid were together, he never did what he needed to do in the fact that Tucker is his wife or anything like that. And, and now he's got his, he's exercised his demons and the family is complete. Um, what are you guys thinking to this final battle then, and 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 the the nice rounded off ending we get? Apart from the death fake out, slightly annoys me. They do that a lot in in films nowadays. It does run me a bit because you guys know I like a good death, so I was <laughs> thinking it would be more impactful if she died. <laughs> but yeah, JD, what are you thinking to this to this finale to the film? I was really happy he survived because I was just thinking, damn that that kid <clears throat> kind of needed that dude. He was really good to that kid. And that was so anxious for me watching them raise that kid in that environment. It's hard enough to raise kids when you have like a house and everything you need, all the food. It's hard enough. But, um, you know, so him surviving, I was like, all right, good. That, that kid's got a dad and just a happy ending. I like deaths too, but I also like happy endings. So 
<laughs> um, yeah, I was glad he survived. I, I thought he was going to die for sure. What about you, David? Yeah, so I th- at first I thought you were talking about Godzilla's fake-out death. Um, but, yeah, I kind of saw that one coming. Like I said, I, I, I thought there was going to be a, a pulley there. So that one didn't really throw me off at all. Um, but I thought it was a really nice way to wrap it up. Like you said, the whole family moment, they all have each other. It was a touching, emotional way to wrap it up. Um, it felt... How do I put it? They didn't they didn't take a bold chance with the ending. I will say that. It felt pretty safe. He gets back with the family. He has the kid, everything. Godzilla's killed, but not really at the end. It kinda so it felt like there wasn't massive consequences with the end there. Um but it wasn't a big deal to me at all. But that's that's kinda how I took the ending there. It was they played it safe, but it was good. Mm. Yeah, it was a safe ending, to be fair, but I was a little bit surprised that they actually did sort of maybe fully in a way kill Godzilla uh, at the ending of this. I thought they were just going to have a way where Godzilla would have been deterred or them constantly trying to blow up his face. He would just get a little bit pissed off and go, you know what? I'm kind of done with you. I'm going to leave you be and just kind of disappear rather than them full on blowing his head off and then him crumbling into pieces. But we do see that as sort of like the last bit of the film, don't we? Where a chunk of his body or whatever is sinking to the uh, through the ocean and it starts to regenerate, Mm. setting up a potential sequel Tell me, guys, how much would we be loving to see, as long as it was done to obviously the same sort of level, a sequel to this film, or is it going to be sort of just be left as it is because Godzilla should survive in these kind of films, really, um, and just be left as it is? Would you want a sequel, J.D.? I have a feeling a sequel wouldn't really meet this standard because how would you Mm. repeat? You need to find a brand new human story for us to follow, or I don't know if you're going to follow that family some more, but just the same exact thing is going to happen with Godzilla. Probably nothing new. Um, so I think they should leave it off. What would the sequel be called anyway? Just Godzilla? Minus one, plus, plus one. one right? Plus one, yeah. yeah. Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you can't. I don't think you could do anything new in that kind of a Godzilla movie. It's not like you could add a new villain. Like the Kong, that whole monsterverse has the benefit of something can always come next, something new. But this, I don't think this has that benefit. David, what about you? Would you would you care for a sequel, or do you think it should just be left as it is? Um, you know, I'm split on it because obviously it was such a good product. It's like, boy, I'd sure love to see if they could recreate that and do something else and continue to build on this because you know I got faith in the director after what he just did there and the whole development crew, everything. But I'm also like, uh, it was so good. Let's leave it be. Like that's how I'm with Joker. I don't really care about the sequel. I wish they would have left Joker as a standalone movie. I think it was really good. It would have been a solid wrap up right there. So I'm kind of in that category with this one. Um, I'm obviously going to watch it, but it almost feels like it should just be left alone as the the masterpiece it turned out to be. But I will say, um, I think there is potential for stuff from the MonsterVerse to pop up in this because they are paying homage to the original Godzilla. And then the original Godzilla, Mothra was a thing mm-hmm. and Mecha Godzilla was a thing and all that. So they, they could bring some stuff in. Um, but in a way, it almost makes it feel less unique. If they do do that, it's going to feel like the MonsterVerse again, whereas this just felt mm-hmm. like the standalone yeah. Godzilla was terrifying. So, yeah, I'm torn on it right now, but it's hard to pass up. I don't know. It's tough. <laughs> 
I know what you mean. I'm I'm similar. This was to me a masterpiece of a film, and I don't want the legacy of this film to be tarnished by a lower quality sequel or continuation of of a story that isn't going to be as impactful or make as much sense. Because as you said, JB, there's what else can you do really with this type of Godzilla? He's not there to be a protagonist or to help humanity in any way like the other ones. He's just there to destroy. And at the end, it's just going to be a repeat film, isn't it? Of you know people trying to stop this Godzilla. Um, makes more interesting that he can obviously regenerate. I did love the fact that you did with his regeneration, you do see on his jaw where the mine exploded. It's sort of like patch mm. or not the same color sort of scales or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that, that was always quite interesting. I did love the soundtrack from this as well, to be fair. Yes. I thought the soundtrack, the soundtrack hit really hard. So that little piece of music that I played earlier, that obviously is a, is a play on the main theme, uh, the Godzilla theme from this, was actually comes from the original 1964 Mothra vs. Godzilla film. That's where it was first done. And then there was um, a rapper um, about 20 odd years ago, I think called um, Apache Munch or something that tried that used, (laughs) used a sample (laughs) in one of his tunes. And that's, and then I, and I I said to you, David, I've been hearing it all over TikTok the last couple of years. So when I heard it in the film, I was like, that's, that's the fucking music for that. (laughs) I got worried. The research, that's where I found it came, come, (laughs) Comes from the original 1964 film, so right. Um, but that was all good. I mean, final thoughts on the film, David. Anything extra that you you feel you need to talk about for this film? Um, you know, I feel like I covered the majority of it. Um, I am with you on that soundtrack. I got worried that they were going to do a trending TikTok audio for this. I was like, well, don't do that. This feels authentic. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, I think that was made off of. I think they sampled that from Godzilla, so they took it back. Uh, the score was great. Um, yeah, I just, I really think they just nailed this movie. Um, it, I think it won best film and best director in Japan, um, for their yearly awards, uh, I believe, and it well-deserved. So obviously they've kept extending the theatrical runs in the U S and probably will do the same in the UK worldwide because it's a smash hit, you know, it's at 60 million worldwide and there was no promotions for this. At least me, I didn't know it was a thing until it Ooh. released in Japan. That was the first time I ever heard of this project. and. I mean, just what a performance! What a performance by everybody! Incredible <laughs> film. Uh, I think I, I think I give it like a eight point eight, maybe eight point nine. It was just a great film. So yeah, I covered the rest of it. Loved it. Nice, JD. Your final thoughts on Godzilla minus one? Yeah, it's just the most unique Godzilla movie. I think uh, just the best Godzilla movie as far as the kind of qualities that make a good movie. Um, it just it felt so fresh of a perspective on something that should be very repetitive. And yeah, I was really surprised, really happy that um, some creators are actually making monster movies like that in a world where movie quality of, of like, across the board is kind of falling, becoming mm. a little less unique. Uh, so yeah, it was just a breath of fresh air to see such a cool take on Godzilla. Absolutely a terrifying Godzilla, a great human story to go with it. I'm personally, I would give this a, a really high, I think I would go like 9.2 out of 10. Um, um, I, I guess I wasn't, I've said it to a few people that this has been my favorite film since Avengers Endgame. And people are like, really? <laughs> I'm like to me, it just, it, everything about this film stood out. It kept yeah. me on the edge of my seat. I was captivated from start to finish. And when I notice when I'm watching a film that I'm captivated watching it, that's when I know that I'm really into it. Because a lot of the time you just lay back in the cinema, I'm just eating my snacks, just trying to take it all in and observing everything. But 
when I realized that I'm sitting there almost wide eyed and that I need to sort of like release my body a little bit to sort of chill out. Otherwise I'm going to be like hurting by the end of the film. Cause I'm just like mm-hmm. so in- into it. Um, I know that that's when I've seen something that I've really liked. So what a fantastic film. I'm so mm-hmm. glad I hated that. I waited like two, two or three extra weeks to see this compared <laughs> to everyone else. Um, but I'm going to go see it as much as I can, to be fair. And I'm definitely going to be buying it when it comes out on, um, on 4k or anything yeah. like that. So, Gentlemen, thank you very, very much indeed uh, for joining and uh, joining us together for this chat. Let's uh, let's let everyone know at home um, who doesn't regularly listen to you, maybe always listening from my side, exactly where we can find the Why So Sidious podcast. Yep. You yeah, can. that'll be oh. uh, Why So Sidious yeah. pod, TikTok, TikTok, X, Instagram. Um, yeah, check us out. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, got a lot of good nerd stuff on there. Absolutely. Um, and as for the Galactic Core podcast, Instagram, um, Twitch, TikTok, YouTube, we're both trying to do the YouTube thing. So head over there. Um, you can see all of our episodes on our respective pages. Make sure you're giving us a sub. Make sure you're watching on there. Um, you can find my podcast as well if you're not in um, to watching on YouTube on Spotify, Apple Music, same as these guys as well. Um, but if you're not following these guys, Go and give them a follow. Go and give them a listen. The three of them together are fantastic. They've got some really cool stuff. Um, they've just done the 100 episodes as well. Congratulations on that, guys. It was a fantastic episode. Mm. Love the stuff that you were covering in there, to be fair. Thanks, um, man. They do, you know, um, Novice Nerd, uh, Week in News. Um, they've got so much extra stuff they do on top of their normal episodes. So if you're not listening to Isosidious, why the fuck not? I will hunt <laughs> you down and I will make you follow them. Um, so... <laughs> Obviously, follow me as well. Yes. I'm here. Um, you know, we've got some. Uh, we've got some stuff. I mean, uh, things we've got coming up shortly for the rest of this year. We've got Aquaman two, and we've got Rebel Moon. Do you guys give a fuck about either of these films? Because I'm really not caring that much right now. <laughs> I am stoked for Rebel Moon. I really am because I love Zack Snyder. I really do, and I love that this was supposed to be Star Wars. So he pitched something that Zack Snyder thought would be fitting into the Star Wars universe. And I know it's going to be beautiful, and I know the action is going to be cool. Um, but just to have Snyder behind a sci-fi epic, dude, I'm pumped. It sucks that the reviews are really bad, uh, but I'm still <laughs> excited to press play on that movie for sure. David, final thoughts with you, Aquaman 2, Rebel Moon. Yeah, um, I want to be excited. I've, we've been talking about it, the, the podcast chat, talking about Rebel Moon. And the thing I've just said over and over is I don't really know what the plot is still based on the trailers. It looks cinematic. It looks very colorful and promising. But I don't know what the plot is, really. So I'm still it's hard to be like, this is going to be dope when I really don't know exactly what I know. It's a, it's, I know it's a rejected Star Wars plot. Um, I'm going to watch it for sure. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to hope for the best because I enjoy a lot of Snyder projects too. So I'm going to check it out. I just, I don't have a massive hype for this one. Uh, Aquaman 2, I'm probably going to see it in theaters. Not really expecting much though. Um, Brother-in-law is coming in and we'll probably go see it while he's in town. Uh, But yeah, not a lot of expectations. I'm thinking, you know, maybe it'll be a fun, entertaining movie, but I'm not expecting it to be good. And if it's garbage, I'm not going to be blown away either. (laughs) Yeah, fair. Um, Something to do over the Christmas holidays. Yeah, yeah. Aquaman 2. I'll give my thoughts on that too because mm. I'm also really excited for Aquaman 2, like no. probably way more than most people. But I will not <laughs> be disappointed if it sucks because it doesn't matter at all. We're moving on to a new yeah. DCU here. But I love Jason Momoa and I love James Wan and I really like the Black Manta villain there. So it looks mm. like it's it looks like it's going to at least be 
very entertaining. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, JD. I, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm looking forward to watching it, but I hope it's a fun film. I think it's mm-hmm. because it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of like the DC, because it's the yeah, last film of the DCEU now. It's not going to matter moving forward. Um, so I hope they go out on a, on a decent note and, and, and a fun note anyway. I hope to see Jason Momoa back. I know he's been in talks to come back as, what was it, Lobo, um, perhaps yeah. instead. So hopefully we do see him back as a different character. That'll be fun. Um, but yeah. Some stuff for you guys to go and watch over the Christmas period, but um, that's it from us, guys. So watch out for our, for our next episodes that are dropping respectively. You can, I'm sure you'll catch those coming out soon. Uh, but until then, everyone, take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Galactic Core Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. But until next time, go get your geek on.